millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Yeah, I've, I've migrated back to the homeland too. I'm uh, I'm in, in upstate New York, where I'm where I'm from originally, and where my, my family is now. I I thought you were t- were you Tennessee at one point, or did you move? Or? Texas, Texas. I was in Texas. Texas I've been a okay. bit of everywhere, man. I was in LA, and then I yeah, then I moved to Texas, kind of when COVID hit. Um, and then yeah, then I came, then I came out here. How are you finding being? How long you been home? About a week and a half, not too long. I love it, man. I like it out here. Yeah, it's it's uh. I don't know. Upstate New York is, is interesting. It's, it's, it's kind of off the, off the grid a little bit and it's calmer and it's just beautiful, beautiful out here. Just a lot of nature. Cold winters are not too bad. Uh, it gets cold out here, but recently it's been doable. I was out, <laughs> uh, you know, and enough to enjoy it outside. Now it's been, it's been nice, man. It's warming up super quick. And once the summer hits here, it's, it's, it's like summer and any other place it's warm. So is it quite remote or are you in a city? Very remote. Yeah, remote, about two and a half hours outside of New York City. It's cool because you can get to wherever you want to go. You know, you can take a train to the city pretty easily. But yeah, you're definitely out here on your own, which uh, which I enjoy. Did you g- grow up that way? You grew up on a farm, right? Yeah. Yep. I grew up uh, about 10 minutes from where my parents live now and then lived there till we were about, I was about eight years old. And then when we moved to Louisville, Kentucky. And I, I, I kind of spent like my middle school and my high school in the South. I guess it's like the Southern Midwest. Uh, but yeah, so, so yeah, my parents ended up moving back up here because they just, they just like it. How did you find moving in the city when you first went there then? If you kind of grew up in the countryside all your life? When I moved to Louisville, Louisville isn't a, isn't a massive city, but it, it was a change for sure. I mean, every time I come back out here, I realize how, how, just how much I grew up in a, in a space very different than most of America. So it's, it's definitely played into, you know, who I am and I guess how I think about things. But honestly, man, this like. I don't know why it's going to sound like an ignorant statement, but whenever I'm in upstate New York, I'm like, I kind of always think I'm kind of like somewhere in Europe. I never really feel like I'm in the United States. And that makes me happy. Get escaped for a little while. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> As you can tell, I'm not like a, a, the, the most prideful American. So maybe that's my, my issue. <laughs> Maybe that's a sign of the times. <laughs> 10 years ago, it probably wasn't quite as bad. Yeah. I don't know if I could say that 10 years ago. Why? You're from the U.S. and you're not a proud American. Get out of here, man. <laughs> now it's like, well, uh, maybe, maybe I'm not the only one. But no, I'm. It's 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 nice out here, man. I'm enjoying it, and yeah, just kind of kind of getting ready to put out this 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 whole album this summer. So I got my I got my I stay busy. What did you? So you were, you were saying you, you kind of you grew up. You feel like you didn't grow up like a typical American. You had a slightly different life. What did you sort of mean by that? little bit i grew up so i grew up in a small town like a town so small they don't even have like a sign for it it's called harlemville harlemville is like a i i I call it a farming community i don't know if that's the best way to describe it but we did grow up it does does people live very much so sustaining themselves off of a small community that has farm farm store school 
Um, a lot of people in the community go to that school, live right around the area. Um, and just very like self-contained and sustainable. There's a lot of little towns nearby, but Harlemville was a special one, man. It just like, again, it kind of, kind of exists on its own, like kind of in the middle of nowhere, which is pretty cool. So yeah, I grew up kind of a little more alternatively than, you know, most American kids, I guess we, uh, my parents were very much against a lot of just like materialism and consumerism. Like we, like I, I was allowed to watch TV when I turned like 12. So like I watched, like I got to watch a movie every like month until I was like 11 or 12. And then finally they like broke down when we moved to Louisville and we got to watch TV. So stuff like that, you know, uh, you know, like our toy, like not like no plastic, like we played with like wooden toys because they didn't believe in just like buying plastic. Then my mom broke down and got me Legos and I got really into Legos. So <laughs> just stuff like that, man, you know, like stuff that just like was a little more. Legos good for creativity. Super, man. I, I love, I still love Legos. Still gave me some Legos. <laughs> but yeah, man, just different in that sense. And um, it's, it's definitely, you know, continued and stays with kind of shaping the values that I hold and who I am. And so I'm, I'm coming back here. I'm 27 now coming back here, going back to Harlanville, being around this community and seeing these people. And, you know, it reminds me that it was, you know, I had, I grew up very differently and you, you know, you get older, you wonder, you know, you start wondering where you want to at some point settle down. And sometimes I still wonder, you know, maybe, I, maybe I come back here. I mean, it's a, it's a really, I don't know. It's a different kind of connection out here. You're more connected to the land. You're more connected to nature. You're more connected to a community, which again, like these are all things I feel like in our time that are hard to come by. So yeah, man, it's, it's nice. It's nice. I'm happy they moved back out here. Even if I just get to come to visit. If you didn't have TV until you were 12, did you say, mm -hmm. what was your kind of primary form of storytelling growing up? Cause for a lot of audio kids, books. it is TV. That's but how books, they kind of get that. Books and audio, audio books, books, man. Yeah. The Harry Potter audiobooks. Oh, still listen to them. <laughs> have you ever heard? Have you ever heard those by Jim Dale? Well, I think we had Stephen Fry. That was the guy who kind oh, of. Oh yes, here. Stephen Fry. Okay, I think Jim Dale was from the UK, but I know the Stephen, the Stephen Fry ones. They don't come close to the Jim Dale ones. <laughs> no, no, man. I'll send you a link. I, I found a link online that allows you to listen to all the audiobooks and it might be the only audiobook link online for the for the harry potter books at this point i, I spent a lot of time finding it so it's a sacred link. does he do different voices yeah man i think he won i think he's kind of won every award under the sun for them what sort of other stuff outside of harry potter um lord of the rings um any any like classic you know set of novels um let's see what else did we like a series of unfortunate events was was a big one for me and then we'd always just get like you know even just like a one-off book on audio tape like i just remember as a kid listening to the fantastic mr fox like every day on my tape cassette so like i always like narrating um i always liked reading um and that's kind of i got into music i mean i wasn't ex exactly musically talented i was good at writing and I was good at expressing a thought and doing it in a creative way. And I think a lot of that comes from, yeah, my upbringing, spending time being very creative and, and not like, you know, sitting in front of a TV or something like that. So you were like a storyteller before you were a songwriter? I think so. Yeah. yeah. I, I entered the young authors competition in like fourth grade and one for this little Same. book. <laughs> nice there, yeah. So yeah, like that kind of stuff, dude, was, was my kind of, way i knew i had something to say and i knew you could find a cool way to say it so that definitely and, and when i first got into music i was just kind of like rapping and freestyling and same thing man it was just like it was all it was always about the lyrics and it's still always about the lyrics you know like this upcoming album and when i go in the studio these days i mean yeah i've, I've, I've progressed uh a lot as a songwriter and as a melody writer and as a, as a musician as a producer but man like the lyrics are still like number one for me i just love the lyrics so that's always stuck with me. Leave my casket open is quite an interesting one to look at lyrically in context of your broader work, because quite often you seem to be writing at something or against something. Mm. Whereas with leave my casket open, it feels more like you're writing a song for someone. Mm. Yeah. Would that be a fair assessment or? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And this, this whole new album is, is, is very different. Like when it, I mean, I'm interested to see, you know, when it comes out what the response will be because it, yeah, it's not as, 
I'm not writing against society. I'm more so just, I more so took it, the opportunity to write about myself and some of my own struggles and still, you know, still find a voice in it. That's, that's not completely me, but it's definitely more so an album of, of my own personal quirks as opposed to like societal quirks, like, like fear was. When you said the, the voice is more you, but it's not completely you, what's the rest of it made up of? I feel like I still always try to be cognizant of, I'm not a writer who writes like, oh, is this hook and is this melody going to be huge and is it going to be a hit? I don't write like that. But how I do write is like, is what I'm choosing to share something that I feel like is relatable and, 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 and helps younger people who need it as opposed, or am I just projecting my own, my own issues, right? Like, I'm not going to go into the studio and write a whole album about all my struggles with being an artist and the music industry and all the things I don't like and all the people I don't like. Cause to me, that might be fun to listen to, to be honest. Right. Or it might be like a real way to put out the frustration, but a lot of those thoughts and stuff, I'm like, I don't, I'm not going to waste my listeners time with it. Like it might be important to me, but is this something like a, a kid in, you know, sitting at home in, in Idaho, like gives a shit about and, sometimes it's just not you know sometimes like god save that for yourself man like write a song that connects with you but also connects with other people and i think that's most songwriters right like you want to connect that's what a huge part of it is about is expressing a thought that someone else can listen to and, and find some kind of solace or peace of mind um or enjoyment out of so when i say not fully my voice i i mean i always try and keep in mind that there's a voice that i'm um, i'm using that is also connecting to other people and their struggles. Did your relationship to that voice change when you did the the fan album in lockdown? When you wrote the record with the fans? No, man, that album was just fun, man. That was just like getting people on a on a FaceTime like live chat and just writing music. Like there was that was just fun. That was just to do something different. Um, and I knew a lot of people who are fans of music, like music, and they probably want to write it. So I figured, why not, you know, write it together? But but that, that felt like its own thing. Did you feel like more of a producer on that too? The way you're kind of gathering everyone's things and assembling them and making something cohesive out of it? Yeah, yeah, I produced I produced a lot of that. Um, that most of that was like my initial production. Um, and that was great for me because since then, I've been producing a lot of my stuff. I mean, every demo I make these days, unless I'm working with unless I'm working with another producer, I'm producing it. So uh, it's pr- production has continued to be something I love. I love, I work with people who are much better producers than me, but I love producing on my own. And that's how I get most of my concepts and tons of times I'll just take a, a song to a session with another producer or someone that I've already produced. And I won't even say anything. I'll just like mute out all the production and pretend it's a top line that I came up with somehow because that's, you know, Sometimes my production is just to get a good song out. So, yeah, man, I love the production process. I love everything about the music process. There's there's nothing I don't like when it comes to making music. You know, you're saying you, you still work with other producers. Were you producing before you worked with other producers or were you working with other producers before you started producing yourself? Good question. I That's a good question. No, I'd say at the end of the day, I started producing after working with other producers. I Like when Fear came out, that first album, My Friends Are Robots, I was not... I you gave me like you put me in front of a piece of production software and i have no idea what to do so it wasn't until after that album that i started to get a little more involved in the industry and started doing sessions and working with other people and a little more more and more started to realize hey i can i love this and i can i can start trying to do this as well was part um, i mean i remember when i was reading some of the earlier interviews when you first came out and you were talking about how when you initially started music you had a lot of great ideas but it took you a while to figure out a way to kind of assemble them and structure them in a way that felt efficient and felt cohesive and felt effective. Mm-hmm. Was that something you kind of learned when you started working with producers? Yeah, for sure. And, and just working on my own, a combination of working with a producer one day, seeing how they do it, coming back and trying that out in my studio, working with another person, right? Like that was a huge part of becoming more efficient. And I did this whole last album with John Feldman, who's a great producer in the rock space. And I, I learned a ton. I learned a ton uh, from him. Like he taught me a ton. I don't even think he realizes how much he taught me, but I, I just being around the process, um, I saw a lot of cohesivity and how he thought about writing a song. I felt 
pretty similar about a lot of the aspects. So a lot of the stuff that I saw him and, and his team doing, I just kind of helped me take, take it and become more efficient and run with it myself. So yeah, man, other people for sure. Like being around other people is just so good. You know, you can only, there are people who get so good by just doing it alone in their um, like apartment or their studio or whatever, but I'm playing catch up, you know, I've only been doing it for like two years. So for me, seeing other people uh, is definitely super helpful. What was the last thing you learned from John? You were saying that you've learned a lot from him. The last thing I learned from John, I think the, I don't know. I think the thing I've learned most about John is just to, uh, how to intuitively, you know, find melodies, um, and express emotion through songs. You know, I think, I, I, I think what I learned with John mostly was very intuitive. Like he just helped install a new energy in me of, of how I approach, um, melody and singing. And that helped a lot. You know, I think before that I wasn't, I, I, I would shy away from some of these, these bigger melodies. Um, my, my brain didn't really think of them. And now it seems like, a, you know, they just kind of come. So I think a lot of what I picked up with John was just, grabbing grabbing the energy and the mindset he has and then just kind of like doing doing my own thing with it does that impact the writing process in any way also for sure yeah and there's more singing on this album than fear for sure and and i've been i mean i've been working on hundreds of demos since this album this album was actually finished like almost a year ago so i just continue yeah continue to sing more and more and try take more chances with my with my vocal, which is really exciting to me. Cause I was never really never thought of myself as a singer. I was always very, uh, aware that I wasn't a singer. Um, and so that's been like one of the most exciting things for me in music these days is really starting to feel, uh, a bit more like a singer because again, I was far from it when I started. So when did you, uh, when did you notice that transition? Was there a particular moment that kind of prompted that revelation that you felt a bit more? There's, there's still moments, man. Like there's still moments where I'll make a demo. Like even recently I made one, like one and, and, and I'll know cause I'll share with people and people also will be like, you're singing even more on this. Like your, your vocals coming a lot. Like you're taking some chances, you know, you're doing some runs, you're doing some things that I've just never heard you do. And I sit back and I'm like, you're, you're right. I am like, I'm, I'm, so I think it's little, like this is little moments. I see more and more where I'm like, I'm, I'm coming into just a better technique with how I sing and it's allowing me to um, have a little more confidence and a little more um, subconscious confidence to try some things that I just like wouldn't try. I was just working on a song and I, I'm very gritted with my work where I, you know, it's like, I don't overlap vocals too much. I'm, I'm, you know, I write pretty, pretty pop forward. And I was doing this like really interesting run ad lib over the last chorus. And it just was sounding so cool. And so different. And I, as I was listening back to the song, I was like, man, that song is like, so, is so, is really good. Like it's, it sounds more developed than almost anything I made. And I was thinking about like, well, that's because I'm adding all these parts that I just like wouldn't add before. And so it's stuff like that, you know, it's stuff that you get to step back and it could be something just as simple as a demo, but you go back and you, you listen to it and you're like, wow, I've, I've progressed. Like this is the proof is in the pudding right here that, I'm doing stuff now that I wasn't doing before and it's sounding good. So yeah, I think that's like, that's how I've learned. It's, it's like, it's step by step. There's always like these little moments. And I think that's like what keeps a lot of songwriters going. That's what keeps me going as a musician. It's like, you always get these, it's like the best wins aren't like if the song does well, or if someone says, Hey, your music's so good. It's like the wins that like you take that demo you made and I go on a walk and I play it like a hundred times because I know it's like one of my better songs I've written. You know what I mean? Like that's like the win. And, and that will sustain me for like a couple months, you know, <laughs> then I got to find another song that I think is like good enough to feel that way again. So. Well, it's almost about the process and the progression, isn't yeah, it? And just absolutely. as that's starting to wear off, you kind of, you break through the next door yep. and you're into the next thing. Yeah. 100%. Keeps it going, keeps the momentum flowing. Momentum in. Yeah. What's the rhythm of your workflow like? You know, how often are you producing a demo? You're saying you've done hundreds since this record. Was yeah, done. I have I have probably about 110, 115 songs or parts of songs uh, I've done since finishing this record nonfiction. I get in grooves and I go and I might do a song a day for a week. And I might like in a month, yeah, 
Yeah, I work That's quick. That's crazy. Yeah, it's my biggest. It's my biggest strength, man. Is my songwriting. I've, I, I've come to that conclusion. You know, whether I can. Whether I can sell myself, that's another question. I, I'm pretty heady dude, but I can write a song. Yeah, that's what I can do well. So I I try and focus on what I can do really well right now. But I think if I also focus on it because I just love it. It's just like, I love writing songs. Um, so yeah, man, I write a lot. I write a lot, but I do it too because it just helps me. Like writing music for me is very, and again, I'm not saying this like I'm special because I know this is how it is for a lot of artists, but it's very therapeutic and it feels like just the right thing to do. Like that's what I do. I'm an artist. So like it just feels like when I'm, when I have time in my day, it just feels like what I should be doing is writing a song. Like, and, and I guess the nice thing is I never force it. I, I, I like it so much that it's like a treat for me. It's not like, God, I gotta go write a song now and like I don't have the energy if I don't have the energy to write a song I'm just not gonna go write the song so that's like a big thing for me too is I like I never go in just to go through the motions and that's something I'm trying to do more and more is be really clear with that like if I'm going in I'm stepping foot in here and I'm like picking up a pen or I'm putting my voice to the microphone like I better be fully engaged and trying to get something real out of it or else it's going to be a half-assed piece of work and I'm not going to use it. And at that point, I'm just doing an exercise. That was a rant, but there you go. <laughs> I mean, you're saying there that you, if you're not feeling up for it, you won't go in. That's kind of a forced break. How often will you take a break that isn't forced by that and it's just a conscious, I feel like I should stop to try and catch my breath. I'll, I'll do that when back. I'll always feel it. I have like a good meter for that where I'll just be like, I'm, cause then like this week, like I'm working on, um, Oh, actually, I'm lying. I lied. I did a song last night, but I, that was because I had a session on the books. But like, I don't know. When I have like other work, I'll. To be honest, as an artist who like has the other duties to fulfill, this point, like music videos and working on stuff for the album. When I'm like overwhelmed with that stuff, I just go write a song. So to avoid doing the work, that's what's bad. Is to avoid trying to figure that stuff out. Like I'm lost and I don't know what to do, or I don't know what I want to sell or whatever. And I'm like, oh, and I can't, and instead of sitting down and figuring it out, I'm just like, oh, I'll just go write a song. So, and then I, in the way I think in my head, I was like, well, you know, I'm investing in my future. Like it's always got to be good music. Like the music comes first. It always will. So like, it, it's a fuck doing that shit. I'm just going to write a song. And then I'm like still on the same boat the next day. Like, well, you still got to do that. Like you wrote a song, but still gonna do the other stuff so it's probably better than just watching netflix though that is true it's way better than blowing off and doing nothing but it's still not doing what i need to do so (laughs) (laughs) yeah dude it's you know how it goes but it's yeah man i love the writing i can do it every day because i love it but when the break comes i feel it i step back usually when i'm traveling and going somewhere and reconfiguring and resettling that's when i usually will take like a nice couple a couple like a week or two away from music and it's super important too like i think every time i I work on music for like say three months straight i'm like kind of always in studio mode and i'm sure other people will attest to this too and then i step back and just do other things and stay away from music for two weeks and come back it's like working out like you work out and build your strength and your endurance and your muscles for like four months straight and if you take like a good week break and come back, you're going to actually realize a lot more gain because your body has time to recover. And I think the creative mind is very similar to a muscle because the brain is muscle and giving that time to expand and chill coming back. It's like it has a new strength that has a, a little more wisdom than it did when you were in the thick of it. Are those lessons that you get when you come back, are they directly in reference to a particular song or are they just broader lessons about your creativity and your workflow? Broad, like broad, like broad. It's like broad. It's like super broad. Like I have a better ear. Wow. Like I know quicker. I I know more quickly when that's not a good melody or like when that's not a good part or like when, when it's out of rhythm or like when something's too slow, like these really broad things that I used to not realize the more and more I, I take these steps back and, 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 and get, you know, more uh, fluent with my craft, you have these bigger picture abilities to see some things that you just don't see when you're like in the weeds, you know, like I used to never, I used to have this issue all the time where I'd always make things too slow and I play it for someone and they're like, oh, it's good. It's pretty slow though. 
So that, but like over time now, cause I knew that was something that I did and I still love slow stuff. That's kind of my thing, but like, I'll also know now that's in my psychic. I'll also know when someone out and work in a song with a producer or whatever. And like, they're making, I'm like, that's too slow. We need to bump that up. Right. So like, I would net like just these little things that like, you know, you just get better at over time and they're pretty, they're not like these super nitpicky things. They're like pretty big picture stuff. The big picture is huge, man. Like, Sometimes these days too, I'll like just finish a demo and I'll like take it and I'll go take a break from a day. And the first time I listen to it, I'll put it on like half volume on my iPhone, just on the table. And I'm just like, if I knew nothing about this, cared nothing at all, was just like passing by, like, and it's on like half volume on iPhone speaker, like, what do I hear? Because then you realize like, oh, all the things that I hear when you're in the thing of it, like, you don't hear all that stuff. Like, you know, just finding ways to simplify the way I listen to music has been super important to me because you have all these details that you think are cool, but then like you step back and like maybe it's not that cool. So Well, it's interesting what you were saying there about, you know, when you started off often you would make songs too slow. Cause I seem to speak to a lot of musicians who have the same thing. I had a I know I've spoken to a few musicians that when they go back, they're working on their debut record and they go back to find some older tracks to bring in, they're always shocked by how slow the tempo is and they've sped it up live in the interim. Why is that? Why is it when musicians start off, they often make things a little too slow? I think it's, that's a good question. I think it's because like me, making music's a personal thing and I think it slows you down and it makes you contemplative. And I think that with a lot of musicians, if you're not making some super fast paced hip hop or rock music, you're probably making something pretty contemplative. And I think when it's contemplative, I think it slows the body down. It slows the mind down at your heart rate rests. And I think, making music brings you people a lot of peace right and so i think when you're at peace as a human especially i think you're just moving at a bit of a slower pace that's how i see it like my stuff it tends to be slower because i'm sitting down and i'm reflecting and i'm like taking a breath and i'm like making something and i'm trying to be thoughtful and it's like that energy probably isn't going to be like super fast and like moving, you know, unless like that's your intention, at least like in, if your intention is coming, like, I got to make this thing, like, let's go, then maybe it is that. But if you're, if you're making something that's a little more reflective and artful, I think you're probably going to go to a bit of a slower place. At least I do. That's a funny juxtaposition when your work ethic so quick as well. Like you're writing the song so quickly and yet it's a slow contemplative place for you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I know, man. I'm trying to be a little slower, actually, with my, uh, not with my work ethic, but my style, because I do like to like, I like, I, I like to get things done when it comes to songs. I can't say that about everything in my career, but with songs, like, I don't like to, I don't like to leave things. Like, I'm so many artists, I, I, I have friends and I know people who can like, start an idea and they're like, okay, it's a cool, like, there's something cool here i'm gonna come visit this tomorrow or the next day and i'm like what the fuck do you mean like we gotta we gotta finish the song we got <laughs> a piece of a song here we gotta flesh it out so that's just like my psyche is like it's got to get done and um i'm trying to to change that a little bit and and be a little more like reflective and not have to finish um so yeah man i'm trying to i'm definitely trying to get a little better with that for sure because uh, i think and i think it can help that that work ethic is that something you kind of choose to learn or is it something you just have i've always had the work ethic when it comes but here's the thing it i have to like it if you can get if you if i can find something that i like i'll work i'm obsessive i wouldn't even say i have a good work ethic i'm just an obsessive guy if you give me something i like i'm gonna do it a lot i'm i'm like i i have ocd man and i uh I talk about it it's on this album a bit. Uh, the song 98 Degrees that's coming out this week is actually the first lyric is I'm looking for an antibiotic for compulsive behavior. And it's true, man. I'm just compulsive. Like I have, I'm, and I'm also a simple guy. I have like a few things I like to do and I, <laughs> I just do them all the time. So luckily, you know, there's some healthy things in there. I love to run. I love to work out. I love to, I love to read and I love to make music. So the good thing, I think at least that gives me some peace of mind is I've, I've found things that I can possibly do that are actually not the worst things to be doing. You know, like if I was into drugs or if I was into alcohol or like, I'm not into that stuff. So 
I feel lucky because again, with my behavior and my, like my brain, I, I find things and I, I just do them all the time. How, how did you kind of cope with and channel that obsessive behavior before you had music? Yeah. School, school, school. And it, and it ran me into the ground. Actually, I got really sick and I got really, uh, I struggled a lot, um, in college. Uh, I gave up music and I was focusing on business and I was focusing on school and I became super obsessive with school and my grades and, and I, yeah, I, 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 it really, it really messed me up. And that's actually what brought me back to music was I was so stressed out and disconnected that I, I thought music would be a good way to reconnect with myself. And that's actually how like Arrested Youth and my career kind of came back around was music was there to kind of help me connect. So always been that way man always I, I wasn't as bad in like middle school high school but once i hit like my early 20s um started to started to show a little more it's a maturing thing isn't it as you become more like your real self yeah and you can't those barriers start to come down yeah both the good and the bad sides come out yeah yeah man yeah for sure and so again i think i cut myself some slack like in the sense that i think i found some good things to be obsessive about again, you know, like I haven't found, I haven't got into bad things to be obsessive with, you know? So, but then again, man, like you can, you can take a good thing and turn it bad through obsession. Right. So we, you see that with everything. So I try and be mindful of it. And yeah, I talk about it some on this album and yeah, I, I try and find things in my life that can help me balance it, you know, to the best of my ability. And, you know, run, running is a huge thing for me. At the, I run a lot and um, it helps me so much. Like it helps me just as much as the music when I'm out running, I'm, I'm, I kind of find my peace. So yeah, you know, we all got to find the things that help us help us through, especially, you know, these days with we're, we're, we're so wired, you know, right. With technology and the pace of life, we're just so wired, man. It's tough. I stuff. I, 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 that's my, probably my biggest struggle still with, with being an artist is what it requires. Uh, you know, your success as an artist depends so much on people being plugged into technology at all points of the day. And it's been, it's just been a really tough, like altruistic battle for me because I want a career and I want to do well. Uh, but I gotta just, I, I will always be honest about it. I do not think, you know, our, our route, our path in technology is, is leading us toward something incredibly healthy. So, you know, that's just my own. You spoke about opinion. this on Instagram this week, I think, didn't you? You put yeah, up a post kind of talking yeah, about this issue directly. Yeah. Yeah, man. I mean, I don't know, man. I, the tough things, I don't know if we want to hear it, you know, like we're on it. You really want to hear it while you're on it. It's so, we all know how addicting it is. No one wants to change their behavior. And it was that big Netflix documentary that touched on it. I think technology is just so incredibly addicting and now it's not only addicting, but it's connecting us in every way, every industry. And I get it, but I, again, from where I'm from, from how I grew up, from the values I was raised with, I just want, I'm not even want to tell people what's right or wrong, but I at least think the thought should be out there of like, this isn't, this wasn't exactly how the human biome was set up to exist with all this disconnection from your hands and yourself and your body like sitting on screen like that that's not how we are meant to live so somewhere along the line like we have to like everyone has to accept that like we're living in a way that i don't know if that's how we are meant to to exist as humans so i know it sounds like heady but the human brain is only supposed to ever see 150 to like 200 other human beings in its lifetime and you can see that in 10 minutes if you scroll through instagram Oh god, I didn't even like know individual that. unique faces. Wow. Okay, it's to do with the way that we were raised in terms of like evolution and like tribe sizes. Really? Like you're talking like tribes of fifteen, you'd maybe only come up on like another two or three tribes in your lifetime. Wow. See, so I didn't even like know that. Hundred and fifty unique faces. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. It is crazy, man. And and that's the thing. And I don't say this, you know, too often because I know it just sounds like preaching. And but we have all these issues that we talk about all day over the internet, right? social issues, political issues, health issues, like all these things. And we use the platform of technology to talk about it. Talking. It's very clear people are struggling. Like <laughs> We're all struggling as human race. So it's like, and I know we've always been struggling, but I think it's pretty clear that struggling maybe 
on a, to a higher degree of uh, tension. I just find it interesting that like one of the global conversations isn't the use of technology and how to limit it because we haven't always talked about all these things, but it's like all these issues, but it's like, but the biggest issue is the technology itself. Like, can we all get on that same page? And is there a way to be mindful of that and moderate it? And I don't know. I think everything in the world reaches a boiling point. You watch it. Everything finds its boiling point. And I don't want to sound like a pessimist or like a fatalist, but like, I do think technology and its effect on humans is going to reach a boiling point at some point. At some point, I think it's going to reach a point where we all are like, people are like, we can't keep living like this. You know, we don't know how, like, you know, what health consequences it's going to have for kids who've been on it since five years old and what, where, where they're going to be at age 35. We don't know. Like, so again, I know that sounds so like kind of conspiracy theory or like, oh, this guy is just like expecting the worst and he's cynical and doesn't like technology. Like, yeah, I know I kind of am, but like at the same time, I think that it is a valid point to bring up purely for the fact that it's, it's on a popular level. It's not brought up too often. Yeah. I mean, I've said before, tax it. Like stick something because the problem is that it's people can go on as much as they want and there's no repercussions. Yeah, right. Yeah. And well, there's no repercussion. There's no clear repercussion. Like you eat food all day, you're going to get fat and you're going to see it and there's going to be a repercussion, right? And the thing with the technology is it's all, it's all affecting here. There's no like baseline to say like, oh, I'm 15% less happy this week because of technology. Like we, we don't, we don't have any guidelines or, or, or true tangible effects to say, Hey, this is why it needs to be limited. That's the issue. It's, it's so ambiguous. It's fleeting. Whereas all these other things you say, Oh, well, if you eat this much sugar, this is what it's going to do to your body, right? You eat this much fat. This is what's going to do to how your, how your organs and your digestive system works, right? Like we have these clear landmarks for like what these, if we engage in things that aren't fully healthy, how they're going to affect us. And the issue with the technology, from what I've been able to at least observe, and I don't sound like I observe everything, but this is how I think of it. We haven't, we have no type of way to tangibly assess the negative impacts that it's having on us. And I think if we did, people might take it more seriously because they might realize that it's having real tangible effects on their life. But we're so in it. And we have so little guidance and it's so relatively new when you think about it. It's so new, this life we're living. Like, we're living a different life and it's new. All of it's so new that it's like we don't have a bird's eye view of it. But I think about this stuff a lot because maybe I'm just a little more sensitive. I feel it. Like I feel being around my phone. I feel, I feel its effect on my brain, on my energy, on my physical. And it's not good, you know? So... I don't know. I think more and more people will get to a point like that where they, and maybe a lot of people secretly are, but the one other part, and I know I'm ranting, but the one other part I will say is the tough part is it's a catch 22, mainly because we've all built our, our lives, our careers and our longevity on it. And I think a lot of people feel exactly how I'm talking right now, but why, but why bite the hand that feeds you, right? Like, Obviously, I have my stick with technology, yet I'm still getting on it right now to pr promote my new song and connect with my fans. Because what am I going to do? I go live in the woods and not be an artist? So the other thing, too, is we've put our whole world and our careers and our livelihoods on it. So it's, it's, people are careful with what they say about it because, again, unless you're you know, a woodsmith or a barista, you're, <laughs> you're probably relying on, tech on it in some essence to, to, to help make a living. And so that's what's tough is we built everything on it so there's a fear there of if you if you were to completely turn away from it or completely you know cut it out um you might not get to live the life that you want to live are there any structures that you do put in place to try and change your relationship with it and push it in a more healthier direction i just try and limit it you know these days this is like my big thing is just trying to be mindful i i try and remove as much of the mind i think number one for me is removing the mindfulness away like i assess the action i take on it as is there and is there an intent here or is it just mindlessness and if it's mindlessness then i should probably to me i should cut that behavior 
because for me and for myself now if it's an intent if i need to reach out to someone or i need and i want to connect with people who i care about or i need to put out a piece of information so people have it or i need to just show a little face because i built a following of people who are invested in what i do and i should be grateful for that those things i try and say okay we can like do this don't be a douchebag but if it's just the mindless stuff or the comparing yourself to others or what's this guy doing you know those things you know i try and cut that out as much as i can because it's just it's on some level it's just a cycle of devastation you know i like that phrase cycle of devastation <laughs> oh it's sad album. you know yeah it's like ah, oh, man why am i like you know oh i'm a piece of shit i've you know on the next day oh not doing that okay well what am i you know it's just it's just also it's like if we were only meant to see that many people in a day, think about how many think of how much we just compare ourselves these days i i think it's just i mean how can that not impact the psyche how can that not like wear at your morale and your 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 livelihood you know i think that's the thing too the more time i'm on tech if i'm spending too much time on technology today i wake up feeling tired that it it takes a lot from you the, the the devices and the technology steals your energy man it steals your like your your livelihood that's how i feel honestly i know i sound very intense but that is how i feel a lot of the time and i'll know like if i spend a day on it a lot i'll wake up in the morning and i'll feel on the edge and i'll feel tense yeah hung over dude hung over like my neck will hurt and i'll probably wake up with like kind of a negative thought on something and it's like that's the kind of stuff where you realize like this stuff is powerful man how you regulate it i don't know but i do believe that at some point there there's gonna have to be a global discussion on technology and it should be there for the youth. It should be there for kids. I mean, it should, there should be a global discussion going on. You don't give your kid a, you don't give your 10 year old a cigarette. You probably shouldn't let your 10 year old sit on their phone all day because you're, you're, you're kind of right. If you let them do that, you're disconnecting them from like this whole, this whole life. I was thinking about the other day of like, I think of technology in my use these days and it takes discipline to connect to the real world at this point. It takes discipline to go out and really connect with nature and be away from your phone and experience what it feels like to be alive. And I push myself to do it more and more and more and more because the, and the way I sell it to myself is like chances, there are chances that you get hit by a car sometimes week and die. There is a chance something God forbid happens and you pass away. Like I want to pass away connected to like the real world not this screen because it would be so sad if i like passed away and that week i had like been living in a not and not even the real world on a on a cell phone screen like that'd be a sad way to go out that's kind of how i sell it to myself these days that's a very creative way to look at it like in terms of you know a lot of the time when we think of a creative as someone who's working like you're saying your work i think you're making a song every day it's almost tied into a similar thing yeah. Like if you died tomorrow, you would want to spend the day before doing the thing you love and making a song. And that's maybe partially why you work all the time as well. Yeah. Yeah. Or because I don't know what else to do with myself. No. Yeah, for sure, man. For sure. And so like, yeah, man, these are all thoughts, you know, and I know I, I, I have my thoughts. I'm pretty stubborn. I have my opinions, but I also know that there's another side to it. And I know that it does good things. And I know it's giving people chances to have lives and careers that they might not have been able to have other otherwise. And it's helped. I've heard a lot of kids talk about, you know, they, they come from toxic families and they have bad relationships and they don't have support at home and they find support online that helps them feel like they're a part of the community and helps them realize there's more out there than, you know, maybe the, the misconceptions placed on them by their parents and the ones at their house. So I know there's great things going on too. Right. And I think that's just with everything in the world is, um there's the good and, the, and there's the bad and that's how everything works so i'm not here like on my thing I've, I've i've continued to like make peace with like i'm not completely anti-technology but i do think there needs to be continued conversation on moderation i think moderation is like the the key to it and i don't think i don't think we're living in a world of of moderation with technology and I don't know. I, I would be I'd, I'd welcome anyone to disagree that on a mass level right now we're we're in moderation with our use of technology. When was the last day you didn't look at your phone? Well, it's been a while. I haven't just put my phone away for a whole day. So, I mean, yeah, I'm not, 
and that's what they do. But by no means take away in this interview. Want it to be like this guy is never uses his phone. Is like completely above the above everyone else with technology. It's not true. I struggle with it all the time, but I am at least just trying to to voice it because it seems to be a pretty a pretty silent topic on a mass. Trying to start a conversation. Yeah, just conversations. Like I think everyone feels a little guilty with technology, man. I think everyone's like, ah, yeah, do this. But like, no one wants to really talk about it. No one wants to talk about the use of technology because everyone feels guilty and it's so addicting that they know they're not going to change it. So everyone just kind of is like, oh yeah, we get it. Technology is bad. Like, yeah, I know it's terrible. It's disconnecting us from the world and nature and people. And yeah, my, but like, it's like, it's a, it's a, it's a thought. It's a thought that passes with the people I talk to and we just keep on living with it because it's, it's such a huge part of life. So yeah, I think having conversations about it in a more logical way. I mean, I know I just talked about it pretty cynically, but if you could get a guy who's less cynical than me and less stubborn to talk about it, maybe he would have some more, uh, some more to offer like more people. But, um, I do think it needs to be talked about. I do think it needs to be addressed. And I do think, you know, I think things need to be out there to help make changes. And with my album coming out and I, we just finished filming a piece today, it wasn't a music video. It was actually a side piece um, of filming. I don't know what it is exactly yet, but we have filmed me and my day and, and just going running and we made a piece out of it. That's pretty cool. I don't know what it is. It looks like we're selling a commercial to go out and be active, but it's cool because it's like suggesting that, via the screen as an artist you just see artists kind of always doing something creative to keep you glued to the screen it's kind of suggesting maybe inspiring you to get off the screen and go do something outside in your life and so i don't know what it is exactly yet but i like what we did with it and i'm gonna try and do my best on this album to be engaged with people over online yet at the same time have a big part of of my message uh to be to 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 connect more deeply with yourself and 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 get off this stuff as much as you can so we'll see where that leads i don't want to preach i don't want it to be something that turns people away but i would like to you know help uh kind of kind of stand kind of put out what i stand for uh with this album a bit more so we'll see We'll see what happens. It feels like you, you're very openly, you know, coming at this issue and this topic from a place of trying to assess the positives and the negatives of it and unpack it and understand it. Yeah. When you're approaching topics in your music, do you feel like you more often write from a place of understanding or a place of confusion? I think I try and write from a place of questioning and a place of, uh, you know, opening up conversation, I think is how I like to say it. And I do it through stating some of my struggle, but I always have a little bit of hope, hope in there. I always have a bit of a hopeful undertone. Um, I like juxtaposition in everything. Like I really do. I like to say one thing and leave the other part up for interpretation. And uh, I, I like, as a lot of artists do, I like to be in the grays. I don't like it to be one thing. So I try and do that with my music and my songwriting. And I think I did a pretty good job on this album of leaving room for the listener to go do what they want with the lyrics and connect in ways they want to like so it's not so much me that it's like my i try to keep my opinion out of a lot of the music and make it more about my struggle and my and my and my uh just my my journey for toward being a, a person i want to be and aspire to be and i try and make sure that there's room in the songs and the songwriting for someone else to connect with and say hey me too you know I think if you put if I put too much of myself in there and get too cynical with it, I kind of take away the room for someone else to to make their own meaning with it because all they take away from it is like, well, that guy thinks that it's like okay, right? So really interesting, man. We'll have to I'll do another interview sometime where I'll, I'll I'll we can we can walk through my thought. I thought I always thought there'd be a cool interview was to walk through like the thought process we're all writing a song, like why I'll start off a sentence. And then I'll cut it back and I'll take out those two words because those two words feel like it's crossing the border of saying something, you know, you know, like it's such a, it's such an art to it. And fine line to walk. Yeah. Fine line to walk. And there's such an art to it. And there's such a English, there's such an English narration aspect to it for me. That's just like about the word and about it's, it's so fun, man. And it's so cool. It'd be so cool to walk through that thought process in time of writing a song. I think people, like music nerds would enjoy that shit. So maybe, maybe someday we'll do that. 
just to touch on it slightly, you said that you you know you'll write from a place of questioning. Yeah, is that what often starts the song? A question. Yeah, is that what a, you often a begin question, the a struggle, a setback. Usually, questioning. I would say this album a lot more. It's been expressing, as it is for most artists. I think I this artist this album's a little more traditional in the sense where I choose to express myself and my struggles. I just felt like that was what I wanted to do with this album. And I think I still did it in a way that wasn't too, like I said, wasn't too me, wasn't too on the nose. I think the, it, the writing is still really cool, um, but it is more personal and it is more direct. Um, it's not as ambiguous. It's not as symbolic. It's not as like artfully done as fear. It's a lot more like what you see is what you get. That's what I wanted, you know, that's what was that's what was on my psyche to make. So it's not as much questioning society on this album. I think it's more so questioning myself. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.